Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I just want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This week, Rick Strangway is continuing our series titled Rooted, and Rick is the Associate Professor of Theology at Ambrose University, and he's also a member of Southview, so we're really happy to have him back teaching us this week. Coming up on January 24th, we have Group Link, and if you're new to Southview or just haven't connected in a small group yet, this is the event for you. The night will focus on connecting people with groups that are looking to add more people or perhaps to even start a group with people right then and there. And you can register on our website or Realm. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint and you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates and that will make sure that you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. And if you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. You can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. Sermon text, uh, Colossians 3, 5 through 11. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, But now you must also rid yourselves of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. On a day like today, there's a simple sense of peace and serenity in a room like this together. And whether we're online, listening, maybe by a fire, and uh, being able to relax a little bit, I invite you into that space to intentionally engage the reality of that space with Christ with us in the midst of that space. In 2020, when my wife and I finished uh, our ministry in the north side of town at a church called North Point Community Church, and I moved to a role at uh, Ambrose University teaching in pastoral theology, we began looking because we were also, we were looking for a house and we came to the south side of town, the southwest corner. And in those days, everything seemed to be online, so for quite a while we browsed around like people seemed to be doing. And as we were looking around and looking online and watching different services, we landed upon Southview, a church that we knew quite well and was familiar with. But there has always been, for those first days, both online and in person, 
a real sense of space and peace and an invitation into that presence. I've always appreciated that, and so tonight I want to draw our attention to that as we do a journey that goes a little bit deeper into the rootedness of a life that follows after Jesus Christ. Brett told us last week, reminded us that we are a community, a community that not only seeks as we follow after Jesus Christ and seeks to be rooted deeply in Jesus Christ, but we are a community that is learning together. A people that have found our faith formed in the death that gives way to life in Christ. A death that gives way to life so that we become a resurrected people. As he would teach us in Colossians chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. It's such a great gift to recognize that and to ponder that. Amidst all the things that we would do and all the things that would be on our concerns. To put ourselves both body and spirit into that realization that we are this people in this moment, in this space, in this time that is resting in the reality of the living God. And I sometimes wonder if like those two who are walking on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, that we might find ourselves at times walking along unbeknownst to our own journey and find ourselves as if we go, oh my goodness, I never realized as the scriptures were being opened that it was actually Christ who was speaking to me. That's my prayer this whole week and our desire this evening. That there would be a genuine sense in this space of peace, of shalom, that we would come and in conversation with the living Christ who's died and rose again and is at the right hand of the Father, we each together would sit and hear the Master's quiet voice in our inner lives. And would you believe it, that just like those two are along the road, that we get to end our time together with a meal. And there, with great prayer, we receive that which our Savior, our healer, our Master seeks to give us. And so that is our time together in these next few moments. Let me begin with this. A little bit of a story and maybe a little bit of insight into me. I'm sure it's more my life and less your life, but hopefully you'll at least be a little bit amused. Since I've been in my 50s, there's been something that's been stirring in my heart around this time of the year. I think it starts around Thanksgiving when all the pleasantlies and all the meals and all the gravies are heaped up across the tables, and I seem to indulge in all those things all at once. Like a huge feast, I take it all in, and something begins to change within me and quite obviously on the outside of me. And then small human beings come to my door a few weeks later. And as they come to my door, they seek candy, and I give them candy. But along the way, I put my own little bag by that bowl that's inside the house, and I put my special little uh, Smarties or whatever it would be in that bag because I don't want to give them the Smarties, so I'll just give them the coffee crisps as they come to the door. Along the way, I can see there's tension in the room already. Along the way, I indulge in those things as I place that bag in a secret place where no one else in our house would even know. And then I find myself coming into that great season of festivity and celebration where more food and more memories of the past and more baking and all sorts of treats and all these things that you would buy that have foam and sugar and vanilla heaped on top. Well, you can imagine, come to the month of January, I find myself one morning 
throwing my legs over the side of the bed and crawling towards that scale in the back of the bathroom. And there as I stand on that scale in the dark of the morning in the middle of January or sometime around this time, and I look down over the curvature of my belly trying to find those numbers, I find myself depleted. And I go back to hibernation, at least until spring comes. When spring does come, though, the good news is this. The stirring gives way to a motivation, a desire after all those ads of the Peloton and whatever it would be that I've been watching on television for three months, that I need to go out and move. I need to shift my feet. I need to be active. I need to grasp for something. I need to be a better me. And so I go to work and I shuffle and I move uh, across the pathways of Fish Creek Park. Now, I don't want to get too descriptive, but often at this age, when things are a little bit on the heavier side, there's a certain parts of my body that you have to synchronize. This part goes one way, and this part up here seems to go another way, and I have to work my jogging, so it kind of has a rhythm in itself as I'm working those paths and trying to get to a place where I can feel good about myself and who I am. There is something within us, whether it's physical health, whether it's mental health, whether it's spiritual health, there's something within us. There's something on the, uh, on the television uh, screen. There's something on the podcast we listen to. There's something that we see in the books that we pick up that tells us we can be better, that we can gra- grab after that, that we can strive after that, that we can be, as Andrew Root would say, a Christian writer and theologian, that we can be a more magnificent you. That there can be a better part of you that can be presented to the world, and we want to present ourselves with the very best on the outside. We want to look pretty. We want to be pretty. We want to have our life together. We want every picture that's put, put on social media to look good and clean and someone holding a trophy, or at least at this age, to be sitting on some beach somewhere so that I can show the world that I'm magnificent and wonderful, and so it would be. We strive and go after those things. Whatever it is that we go after, there seems to be this mechanism in the modern human kind of mindset, this idea, this incent, or this, this feeling in the inside that we can do it and we can stay in control. And here's the great challenge for the follower of Jesus Christ. The great challenge where it's not just about me grasping for knowledge or a new idea or a new app that I download onto my phone or a new pathway over the next few months or a new weight limit that I'm seeking to go after. It's not just me who's controlling the issue that I need to realize that there's something else that I need to give way to. As we speak about being rooted deep in the very life of God himself through Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior, we seek about a different way And if I'm used to being somebody who's part of the 5 a.m. club, or I listen to Dr. Atiyah's The Drive podcast, or I've read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, or I'm somebody who's highly motivated, or I make more decisions by 10 a.m. than most people do by, by the, through the whole day or the whole week. If I'm that kind of person, then I likely accomplish a lot of things. But I might suggest to you that what Paul is getting at in the book of Colossians is something that's going to take me deeper into my human experience, deeper into my own storyline, deeper into my own heart. And that's where we want to go in this series as we continue on. 
Brett had mentioned last week that we're going to spend three weeks, and this is the second of three weeks in the book of Colossians chapter 3. We started out in chapter, one, in chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, looking at a few verses, but I want to highlight a couple of things as Paul builds his case back into the place of the words that we heard read a little bit earlier. Paul starts talking to the Colossian believers in chapter 1, and he has this incredible hymn or poem or sense of, of reality of who the living Christ is. From verse 15 to 20 in, in Colossians chapter 1, he focuses on who this Christ person is. He is the Son, the image of the invisible God. The New Living Translation says he's the visible image of the invisible God. To see Jesus, to know Jesus, to encounter Jesus, to encounter his, the re revelation of Jesus in real time, to hear his voice, to have his, have his presence permeate my presence is to know the living God. He is the firstborn over all creation. In him all things are created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones and powers and so on. Paul would go in the next few verses. It's an astonishingly, astonishingly beautiful passage of scripture. And Paul would say at the center of creation is this person Jesus Christ. As he would move forward, he would come to verse 27, a few verses later, and he would remind the believers as we hear the reminder through the Spirit today that this same Christ who creates all things is the very Christ who's located in the believer's life. He's located in your life and in my life as we follow after him. If we by faith have come to the place of trusting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, something anew has been generated afresh in our lives. And now the living God of all creation the God who reconciles the all things, the divine one, Jesus himself, lives within the believer's life. Colossians 1 verse 27, Christ in us. As Brett again said last week, truly we are resurrected people. By the time he gets to the second chapter, he takes the believing community back into the storyline of their own baptism, reminding them that they have died a death. That there was a moment by faith and then through the symbol of the waters of baptism where they died to the old ways. They died to the sinful uh, death uh, of the past. They died to the powers of this world. They died to living in a way that would reflect something that was other than God. And they have come alive through new life in Jesus Christ. And they've come alive and Paul calls them in chapter 2 verse 6 to continue to live now on this path or in this new life in Jesus Christ. And in fact, in verse 6 of chapter 2, he would say, continue to live your lives in him. Not only is he located in you, but you and I are located in him. Not only is Christ the living God, the creator, the one who generates life, who generates hope, who brings out of death something beautiful and wonderful that can be displayed, that would, that would display the beauty and the grace of God himself to the rest of the world, but we, by faith, live in him, and we have our movement in him, continue to live in him. And in verse 7 of chapter 2, Paul would say, rooted and built up in him. A few words later in the NIV, it would say, and overflowing with his life. Then by the time 
we get to those verses that we looked at last weekend. We hear Paul say, since this has happened, since this has been your story and my story, since this has been our journey along the way, whether we fully realize it or not, since this is the imprint upon the inner part of our life, set our minds and our hearts on the things above. Set our minds on the things of the resurrected people. Set our minds on the things that would give way to the things that would display the glory of God. Set our hearts, he says, a moment or two later in verse 2 on the things above. And then we go deeper. When we get to the verses that were read just a few moments ago, we hear this kind of language. As followers now who are alive in Jesus Christ, Paul says there's something that's going to happen. It's not, gonna, it's, not, it's not that we've lost our salvation. He's not talking about that at all. He's talking about how we continually find and journey into this death that gives way to life. So he says, put to death. We could literally say that the words would mean, lay it down. Stop doing that. He would say it a few moments later uh, in, in verse um, 7, you used to walk that way. In verse 8, he uses the phrase, rid yourselves. Turn away from those ways that you used to live. I know that you live in a world where there's all sorts of opportunities. I know that you live in a world where there's all sorts of ways that you can choose to go after things. But that's not the way that you live now. Bring yourself back to the reality of who you truly are. Christ in us. Now continue to participate in the life that gives, in the death that gives way to life. To understand this kind of thinking means you and I are going to have to go deeper into our spiritual journey. I can't just kind of put some cheesy little kind of line on some social media and say that's what my life is going to be about. I can't find some phrase and, and, and stamp it onto my leg and say this tattoo is kind of my, my mode of being here in this world. It's so much more than that. I need a different set of skills. I need to be able to figure out how can I go to those places that are dark or those places that are broken or those places that are wounded, those places that Paul would push into when he begins to talk about sexual, sexual immorality, the desires that seem to be lying and lurking there beneath the surface. When Paul would talk about lying and talking about things with dishonesty, he has two lists, one in verse 5 and one in, in verse 7 and 8. The first one speaks about these inner desires, all kind of rooted around this idea of sexual sin. It's quite prevalent in the, in the Gentile world. As the good news of Jesus Christ left first century Palestine, kind of left the, the Jewish first century world and, and went up northward into the Roman world, into places like Colossae. A lot of the issues were the action or the activity, or particularly those who are men, in the way they lived, and the way they kind of lived with a certain sense of freedom that they, that they felt they deserved. It was kind of the Roman way, especially when you had positions of power or prestige or status. You could kind of do what you want, or you could attend certain types of temples and religious activities. Paul was saying, no, no, something has changed within the desires that you once had are no longer the desires that you have now. Put those to death. Continue to lay them aside. Put them down and come alive once again. The second list would likely relate a little bit more 
to the body together, a shared life together. Now you must rid yourself of these kind of things, he says in verse 8, anger and rage and malice and Hold on, I've got to catch myself right here. I was thinking just the other day, there's some individuals driving a black B&W on Stony Trail. I got a little grumpy when they kind of went a little bit fast and cut me off. It could, I mean, as I think about these kind of moments, I'm thinking maybe this is, has more to do with me than it has to do with you today. But here is Paul. Put together those things that cause disunity or brokenness when rage or malice or, or words, verbal words come outside of my mouth that, that disconnect us one to the other. Those kind of things need us to go deeper. Deeper into the places of our heart. Here's why I might say this part of being rooted, this death to self that gives way to a life in Jesus Christ is unnatural for many of us when we ponder it a little bit. It doesn't come easy because we have to spend some time into those places and two particular skills are needed. Two different, two particular pathways are needed. The first it's to sit in the Father's love. And the second is to tend to Jesus' care. Let me unpack those for the next few minutes. The great, thoughtful Christian uh, leaders who would spend time looking beneath the surface of our lives would again and again realize that until we come to the places where we again and again sit in the grace and the goodness of the living God, we'll never be able to go into the depths of our own heart. I first discovered how hard this was in my own spiritual journey when I was a young man of 18 years old. I was about to leave high school. I sensed the calling to go into Christian ministry, and I was going to go off to Bible college. And there, while I was in Winnipeg, I needed to work a year. I wanted to buy a car. So someone in the church who owned a moving company called Weebs Moving gave me a job. It was right about this time of the year uh, when it was cold and there wasn't much work that one day Ron Weeb said to me, he called me Ricky, he said, Ricky, we don't got much work this month. I don't want to put you off. I don't want to lay you off. I want to pay you because I know you're heading to Bible school someday. And so listen, this is what we're going to do. On the south side of town where our warehouse is, on St. Anne's, you're going to go deep down into the south and there you're going to spend the next four days and you're just going to pray. I was 18 years old, maybe 18 and a half or so. You're just going to pray, Ron says to me. And he says, I want you to pray for the church. I want you to pray for the company that our business would grow. I want you to pray for whatever God would... I thought, in one way, this is a pretty cool gig. 18 years old, someone's praying me to pray. So I went to the warehouse the first day. I made myself a little couple of tea. I went up into the upper room on the second floor, and I sat down in this upper room that was mostly empty. I sat on the carpet because the room didn't have many chairs. I had my tea. I think I brought a Bible. And I went through the three things I knew, the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, and Ephesians chapter 1. That took me about nine minutes. I didn't know what to do with the rest of the time. On that very first day, as I began to kind of pray and I began to kind of, kind of express kind of the reality, I, I did not, I, I'd never been in that kind of a space alone with God where I wasn't reading some kind of a script or some kind of written prayer like the Lord's Prayer. I'd never spent time alone with God 
reflecting even on my own life. Well, that was the first of many times. We're sitting with the Father. I was quite bewildered. But I slowly began as I matured through my spiritual journey to realize again and again that I needed to sit with the Father and not only sit with the Father, but sit in the Father's love. I will even say this. The reason I consistently and desire to come to church regularly because I need the community of God around me to invite me into the presence of God through worship so I can imagine with creativity of those who had spent time praying and preparing the service, the grace and the goodness of God as we sang about already in this service. I need to create rhythms and pathways for myself. I need to open up spaces in my life and my calendar so I can sit deeply with the Father and I can know deeply that I'm loved. I'm somebody who sometimes periodically questions that. I might know it, but I sometimes question that. Sitting in the Father's love allows me then to do that which Paul was going after in the, in the Colossian community. It allows me tend to tend to the things that Christ would want to tend in me. If I don't have a strong sense of the grace and the relationship or the rootedness of my identity in Jesus Christ, if I'm not deeply connected to the reality of God's goodness and God's delight and God's pleasure for me, as, as the Father would say to the Son at his baptism, you are my beloved and I delight in you, then I might find myself as I deal and go the pathway of death that leads to life that I beat myself up too much. Now, believe me, I've watched many on the journey, and I've seen it happen often. But sometimes one of the biggest battles is the way you treat yourself. But as I plunge deep and Christ begins to open up my heart to the things that he would want to show me about myself, maybe it's the actions that I had on Stony Trail towards that black BMW. Maybe it's the words that I spoke in a moment. Maybe it's the way in my attitude towards something. Maybe it's the hoarding of that which I've, I've said, this is my money. This is a tough time. I'm not going to give it to anybody. Maybe it's a whole number of things, the way I've always been running away from a woundedness or a pain in my life. But as I, I sit deeply in the Father's love, and I tend to the things that Christ would want to bring into my attention. I begin to recognize that it's going to be okay to put to death, to lay things down. Here's where the language or the way of being or the skill set of, of tending to that which Christ would want to tend in me is sometimes challenging. This might mean that I find a sister or a brother a mature believer that walks with me and I confess my sin as Christ brings his light into my life. This might mean that I go find a counselor or a spiritual director. This might mean that I come not only to a place of confession, but I have to work towards and move towards a pathway of reconciliation with someone in my extended family or someone at work or a past employee or so on down the road. This might call of me as I lead and follow this path of death that leads to life. It might mean that I need to face that which has happened in my story. But when I do, when I, when I deal with those things, 
truly life begins to come. The grace and the mercy of God begins to shape me. Truly, as Paul would say in verse 10, there's something that begins to emerge in each one who follows in this pathway. The image of the creator himself. Because you know what? It was never you or me who was striving and grabbing. It was always him who's generously at work within us. When I sink myself in him and he has room to be at work in me, then that which makes the change is not me. The good news of Jesus Christ is not just that I was saved from sin, but I've been saved from the power of sin, and now I'm being made in new ways to reflect the beauty and the goodness of the living God in this world. So whoever I am in my story and wherever I find myself, I can turn again deeply into the grace and the mercy of the Father and sit quietly with Jesus, learning the slow rhythm of tending to that which he would want to tend into my own life. This is the Christian journey of being rooted. And this is even more why we need community together. Friends, believers, Followers who have a like-minded desire, who have a sincere belief in what the living Christ will do to walk with us. As I mentioned earlier, a significant part of my adult journey was always trying to grasp for something. Particularly it was something that I, that I saw began to emerge in my 30s. It was a sense that I wanted genuinely to be loved. Now, I came from a strong, loving Christian home with wonderful parents. I had two older brothers who cared for me and blessed me and encouraged me along the way. I had spiritual people in my life when I was in in high school and when I entered into college who were there speaking into my life. I have a good set of friends that go all the way back 32 years. A couple of them are pastor friends here in this city. But there was something within me that always felt like I wasn't good enough. There was something in me that always felt like like I needed to be loved, like I needed to be almost like a little puppy dog at times. And I remember early in my marriage, somewhere around the seventh or eighth year, I had been striving and trying to be seen and wanting my wife to love me so deeply. And somewhere along the way, like a parent does to a child, She just one day held me. A long embrace. A deeply caring and loving embrace. Now it sounds so odd and so real to be able to talk about it in front of you, but the truth was in that moment something struck me. And after knowing her, her being married to her for seven years or so, and knowing her for about nine years, that she truly just loved me. I didn't have to strive. I didn't have to fight for it. I didn't have to kind of go for her attention. I didn't kind of have to show myself like I'm almost like that Superman, kind of see, see me, look at me now. I needed to let all that go. I just was deeply loved by her. That began a deeper journey for me as I turned my struggle and my striving of that which I wanted others to see in me back to the Lord. And through the next 10 years, my spiritual journey took me many times along the way to places where I'd stop and I'd ponder, I'd confess, 
I'd expose, I'd tell a friend along the way of things that I was struggling with or things that I was hurting about. I'd have people pray for me at certain times. And along the way, I begin to sink deeper, deeper into the experience of the Father who would love me and deeper into the death that gives way to life. As we seek to be people who are rooted in this new calendar year, as we seek to be people who are rooted, we seek to be rooted in God's love in Christ so that we can participate in that very life and love and in turn begin to overflow with a life that can only come from the one who created us in the first place. This is the way of following after Jesus Christ. Set your minds on the things above. Place your hearts there as well. Continue down that pathway, being deeply rooted in the way that leads to life and love. Well, could it be in this conversation that we may be having, could it be that there's more, even personally, intimately, that Jesus would want to say to us in this moment? As we come to the table, just like I had suggested earlier, those two who were walking with Jesus sat down with Jesus on the road to Emmaus at a table. And they broke bread. And it says in Luke 24 that after they had broke bread, it's as if he had vanished. And yet their eyes were opened and they could see. As we prepare for the table, I just want to invite you into a quiet space of silent prayer. I might suggest a thing or two that you would reflect on as we come into this space. But we want to prepare ourselves to receive that which the Lord Jesus Christ would give to each of us personally and individually. And as we enter into that space, we simply want to quietly turn our hearts and attention to Jesus. Let me begin with a short sentence or two of prayer. And then quietly, let's just sit with him and listen. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you are truly God himself. We thank you that you have given yourself for us. And we thank you that you are the resurrected, the ascended one, and now in real time through your spirit, we can sit with you. Speak to us, Jesus. Show us that which we need to see. Tenderly pull back the depths of our own experience to see the hurt that we need to surrender, the person that we need to put before you, the gift that you would seek to give us.
And Jesus, if there's anything we need to do beyond this moment, a reconciliation, an asking of a friend or someone nearby to pray for us, a reassurance of seeking counsel from somebody, would you show us what that would be? Again, we thank you, Lord and Savior, that you are the one who even in times where we die, that you are the one who leads to life. We thank you that because we participate in your very life, that what emerges in us is a softer, more compassionate, more loving human being that expresses through the beauty of how you've made us the goodness of God in this world. We thank you that we can continue to receive from you as we turn to the table. And so, Christ, we give thanks for that which you have given to us. In your name, amen. I invite you to join me as we just continue to reflect. Taking that cup before you and I'll peeling back the first layer and holding that little wafer in your hand, and maybe readying yourself to take a peel back the second layer, layer in a moment as we partake together. When Jesus would speak to his first disciples, he would say that which you would want us to hear today. This is my body, the body of the living Christ. This has been given for you. And this cup overflows it's been poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Life now gives way through death. Let's partake of both the bread and the cup together. We thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, for Jesus, the gift of your life. We thank you that which you give to us. May through your Spirit, we continue to hold on those good gifts, and may they bear fruit as we live in faith and walk forward, continuing to be deeply rooted in you. Amen. I invite you to stand as I give a benediction to you, reading words of scripture that are read quite often in Southview at the end of a service in Ephesians chapter 3, the final few verses. But I'll be reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation. And before I read them, I'll just remind you that we have a chance to be together, to share, to get to know one another, to enjoy our, our sense of community as we go into the cardo together afterwards. So I encourage you to prepare to do that. I'm sure your hockey team is winning, so you don't need to worry about it. The word of the Lord, my response, Paul would write, 
is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. And I ask him to strengthen you by his spirit, not of root strength, but a glorious inner strength that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. And I ask him that with both feet firmly planted on love, that you will be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimensions of this very love of God. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb its depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. For God can do anything you know. Far more than you and I could ever imagine or guess or request in our wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently working within us. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory to God through the ages. Amen. God bless.